What's going on, people? What's going on, people? Welcome back. Episode three in full effect. Thank you guys, everybody that tuned in for uh, episode two. Um, still getting a lot of positive feedback. Still getting a lot of good stuff. Uh, it's it's very overwhelming, the uh, feedback that I'm getting through text messaging, through my website. Uh, so it's great that people are listening and able to like relate and understand where I'm going with this podcast. And uh, like I said, it's going to be raw and uncut and relatable. And um, the biggest thing is trying to give yourself an example from your own lifestyle in these situations that I talk about. Uh, but today's uh, an awesome day. I told you I was going to have some, you know, some of my friends, some of my tra- training partners, um, you know, and some kind of, you know, quote unquote famous people, believe it or not, on this thing because I want to have some fun with it. I want to meet some cool friends and uh, I want to, you know, talk a little bit more about some of my teammates and some of the people that, you know, influence me in my life and that I'm close with, but also have a great story and, you know, get their opinion on certain things. So, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, my man, my friend, my brother from another mother, one of my very close teammates. Uh, we, you know, we've been friends for quite a long time now. We've been through a lot together. Is uh, Corey, overtime, beast in 25-8, the black mamba. Anderson is in the building. <laughs> What's going on, people? Yeah, man. So, Corey being my first guest, it kind of, you know, relates to the famous in the fighting, believe it or not, bro. You, you know, now you have more Instagram followers than me, so you it's crazy. You know me now. Yeah. <laughs> I remember a time. Yeah. yeah. Look at me now. <laughs> <laughs> it was funny because Corey, Corey and I met because he was on The Ultimate Fighter when uh, Frankie was the, one of the coaches. And uh, Frankie was fighting who? BJ Penn. Yeah, so he was fighting BJ. And then, uh, you know, Corey made it to the finals, obviously. came to train with us. And, you know, anybody that comes into the team or is here just to help out in training um, camps, the coaches always put it on me to, like, introduce him to the Jersey lifestyle. You know what I mean? Bring him out, show him around, get him food. Me girls, you know, uh, have some drinks and have some fun. So I brought Corey under my wing, and uh, it was that was it. It kind of just started a fucking long roller coaster. <laughs> real quick. Now yeah. Here, four and a half years later. Yeah. Four and a half years, bro. That's crazy. Bro, <laughs> and we were having fun. We had a blast from single to now. I'm Married with my first child in the way. Bro. Crazy. The fuck happened? <laughs> Overnights in the city, late nights in Hoboken. The good old days. Almost dying while you've got gummy bears all over you. <laughs> We've been through some stuff, man. We uh we used to go out a lot. But I'll tell you one thing, no matter how hard we went the night before which is, this is still crazy to me. We used to go hard, like summertime, wintertime, doesn't matter. Like when we go, we didn't go out a lot, but when we went out, we made sure it counted. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, 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 straight up. But for somehow, I don't know what this kid's built with, always made it to practice the next day. Every single morning I'd wake up and Corey'd be gone and he'd be at practice 
fucking hungover. I'm more drunk. I'm more drunk. <laughs> <laughs> I well, it was my 25th birthday. We went to go get sushi. We just had a chill night. And then we got invited to the boathouse, I think, or something. And I, well, you had me finish the night with all the tequila shots. There's like a tray full of shots. And I just remember taking the first one. And I woke up the next morning with my phone stuck to my back somehow. <laughs> my clothes all the way up the stairs to my room. And Frankie Yeager, like, woke up because it was vibrating in my spine. And I answered it. Frankie, like, yo, you still in a ride to practice? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Frankie's like, all right, meet me at the gas station. I was so drunk. I almost crashed probably 10 times to get to the gas station <laughs> five minutes down the road. I told Frankie, like, yo, I'm drunk as hell. I'm just going to jump in the back seat of the car and sleep till we get to practice. When I got there, Mark, I'm like, yo, what, what's wrong with you? Like, coach, I'm be honest, bro. I'm drunk as hell. <laughs> to the clubs Hoboken I feel like we, we like really left our mark down there in Hoboken Lulu's, Lulu's. Well, yeah it's not it's not called that anymore no. I don't know Mad Hatter or something it's called now yeah it's crazy but yeah so you know Corey came out of here I mean you can tell him bro where, where you're from Illinois Rock Rockford right Rockton I was born in Rockford but moved to Rockton at a young age and Raised up there, you know, went only, probably the only black until I was in high school. So, you know, they call me Big Country. That's all right. I live a country life. I do country shit. Got toothpick in my mouth as we speak. (laughs) (laughs) That's just who I am. So, you know, big, I would say small country boy, but a big, small town country boy. And um, just grew up working hard, like Frankie said. Never missed a practice, and I was just, the way it is, you never miss a day of work. Shit need to be done. We got to get it done, no matter how tired you are. But how late, no sick, birthday, holiday, it's just another day. Get up and get it done. And then, you know, I owe that to my father. And then my mother taught me always doing what's right and what's knowing what's wrong. So I always had a good head on my shoulder, a good, humble person. I don't steal, I don't do nothing crazy. Nothing that's going to tarnish my name for my family or my legacy in the future. So, you know, I've always been a hard worker. I was kind of lazy growing up. But then once I realized what I need to be doing to be the best I can, as my father always told me, you know, I started getting that work ethic that he always preached to all of us. I'm the youngest of four, and our whole life, all we knew was work. My father always said, there's really no playtime. It's always something to be done. You know, even if you're done with your homework, there's something to be done. You can stay. So it's like that uh, lifestyle at the house as well. So but the same thing with wrestling, and the wrestling turned to fighting. And, uh, I mean, it's just what I live off of now, where I got the name Beeson 25-8, because everybody else, if you was working 24-7, and I know I was doing more than you. You miss practices and I don't. But I mean, I got an extra day, an extra hour in. So give me 25-8. It's a mindset, more like, you know, no matter what you do, you'll never outwork me. You'll never do. If we got on a treadmill, you might run faster than me, but I ain't going to stop. <laughs> We're going to keep hmm. going. And by the time I'm, I stop, I'm going to make sure I pass the mile marker. You finished or whatever. And, you know, and Frankie and now, He can't run, run, by the way. He doesn't know how to run. That's just because this dude sprints. Nah. <laughs> he is Steve Prefontaine, and I'm out here just chilling. Let me tell you something. <laughs> Corey Anderson might be a big black toothpick chewing country boy, but he is the least bit athletic human being I've ever met in my life. He can wrestle, he can fight, he can take a punch. He might be able to build he can build a shed, he can put a new roof on your house, he can ride a dirt bike. 
but he can't jump. He can't run. I don't even know if he can dribble a basketball. I'm telling you, he is the most unathletic human being I've ever seen. But it works for him. Oh, man. Like the typical, you know, hey, we're going to put it. The black guy can usually run pretty quick. Pretty athletic, muscular, you know what I'm saying? Can jump over a fence, can dribble a basketball, can throw a football. Baseball's hit or miss, you know what I mean? But you can't. I remember when you did that vertical at, at Brian's, bro. You, Marlon had a bigger. No. Mar, oh, for oh, like that's any better. All right, Frankie, white, 5'6", Italian kid's got a bigger vertical than 6'3", Corey Anderson. Hold on, I'm fast, though. I am fast. Fast to what? Fast to practice? No. I'm fast to <laughs> I can do short bursts and shit, the long distance. Remember we play softball? I was getting to that ball. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, I was getting around them bases. You know? But we played I'm softball. No, just, I, ain't, I can't run with form. <laughs> <laughs> I can get A to B quick shit. I oh. played fullback in middle school and elementary, but I just. Did you play other sports? Yeah. I played football, baseball, basketball. I played everything but soccer, to be honest. Golf, dirt bike, snowboard, just soccer was too much running. <laughs> <laughs> I was first day I was trying in gym class. I was running up and down the field like, I'm cool. I'm about to go play tennis. Yeah. <laughs> that, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's one of the sports. I tell you, I have, a, I have a funny story with that. So, like, I was athletic, too. I played baseball, basketball, football. And I grew up in a Polish town, so soccer was, like, the sport. And I always played at lunchtime, like we played like four square, two square with our feet and like pickup games of soccer. So I was decent, you know, my parents always baseball, football, basketball, every season was boom, 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 always. And I was like, I want to try soccer. Like, let me play soccer. They're like, all right, we signed you up. My mom gets in the car like, oh, we're late to practice, whatever we go. Yo, my mom straight up couldn't find the field. She's got me in the middle of a street, standing on top of her conversion van, driving slow, trying to see if it's like over one of these fences. Because you couldn't find the fucking field. She gets in the car. She goes, if you ever talk about soccer again the rest of your life, I'll kill you. <laughs> that, that was my whole soccer experience, bro. So I, I just appreciated soccer anytime I played it like during lunch break or any pickup games after school at lunch. That was, that was it. It's in the underground, bro. They want you to know where it was at. No, crazy. So like Frankie said, we got to hide that he comes to practice. Yeah, it was the same thing with fighting, though. Like, when I got into fighting, my dad made fun of me every single day for the first two months until I took my first tournament. And then he was like, oh, you're pretty good. So, like, who knows, bro? I could have been a Ronaldo, and I would have never had the chance. You know what I mean? All because my mom didn't – there was no GPS then. My mom didn't know where the field was. And mind you, there's three fields in my town. I grew up in one square mile, so I'm pretty sure she could have figured it out. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. My father's the opposite. Like your father made fun of you. My father, I, he wanted me to do all the other sports, but I wanted to do like the extreme shit. Like my biggest thing I enjoyed growing up was dirt biking. Mm-hmm. Right, motocross track, freestyle track, everything on my street. The uh, motocross track was at my house. The freestyle track was like two houses down. And I was decent at it. I wasn't like my other friends that have been doing it since they was kids. I wanted to get better. They all went up to like Woodward Camp or whatever. Oh, yeah, like Camp Woodward. Skateboard, all I want to do it all. I skateboard, I inline skate, I did everything. BMX, my father never let me make fun of me because I was so big. 
Oh, you too damn big to be out there jumping and stuff. You're going to break something. It's funny. I never broke anything dirt biking. I almost cut my three fingers off. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> all my major injuries came from like wrestling or football and now fighting. Right. But uh, yeah, I remember my last time riding a dirt bike. Well, right before I went to college, got a scholarship. I was going for one last ride or whatever. And we go to this bike track bar. I remember watching the guys ride, racing a lot. I never rode it myself. So I knew how I went forward was a rainstorm the other day, so it's so muddy. All right, we're going to track backwards, so it's the only way we can ride without people getting stuck. And I remember the first two laps, I went kind of slow. And after that, I started gunning. I'm thinking I'm good. We racing. I'm right there with my bros. That's all racing pro. And I'll never forget, what was like lap four or something. You can start gunning. You just kind of forget the turns come. <laughs> so I see them slowing down, and we hit the turn, and everybody take off kind of slow. And usually, it's a step up. Now I remember that, so I'm getting ready to gun it at, uh, at the last second. I remember why everybody's slowing down. It's backwards now, so it's a step down. Oh, my. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> All the way over the track, into the top of the trees, whole bike fell apart. I was, I hit like every branch on the way. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know how I didn't die. I didn't break my neck, landed upside down, and that was it. Picked up all my pieces, rolled the wheels to the car. Load it all in the back of my truck and pieces. Like, that's it. I'm done. Like, put this thing back together and sell it. I, I got to get ready for college. I'm, I'm going to be an athlete. <laughs> that's <laughs> crazy. That was it. So after that, I hadn't rode a dirt bike until I got here and bought one. After I got my house and whatnot, I went and bought a dirt bike. That was my first time back on it since 2003 or four. So That's kind of like the same story. Like, you know, I started with dirt bikes when I moved out here. And, um... You know, I, I raced dirt bikes, and I was like, you know, it was just, I rode them, I raced them, I was, I was old, decent at dirt bikes, but, like, I clicked with the quads. You know what I'm saying? I just, it was just something that, I always rode too fast for my ability with the dirt bikes, and with the quads, I had more stability under me, so I was able to f- ride a lot faster and harder. And I remember when I really wanted to take it serious, and my dad surprised me with a quad for Christmas, and I practiced, and I rode that whole year. And then I took my, you know, I was racing, I was, you know, losing here, there, just learning, you know, and I took my first race, uh, they had ESPN sponsored this event, um, everybody came from all over for the WPSAs, and, you know, I was doing so good, and as I passed the kid in first place, my first time ever, bro, I was having heart failure, my motor blows, first race, first everything, this thing, feeling good, confident, boom, blow my motor, right there, I was like, dude, this is what I want to do, you know what I mean? So we ripped the whole bike apart. We put like 10 G's into the bike. Suspension, full board, the motor, race ready, you know, wheels, tires, fenders, everything. Built this bike. And we're like, yo, next year is going to be our year, right? So we started off the year at this race called Motorama in Harrisburg, bro. We went every year. Every year we just like, I got a participation fucking trophy. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was just couldn't figure it out. So the final, that last year, all I focused on was on the quad. I didn't bring my dirt bike. I just did quads. And out of 12 races, I won 11. And I was like, yo, this is my year. This is what we're doing. My dad's pumped. New trailer, everything, you know? First race of the season, we win. Second race, we win. We go up to um, right here, Ritchie Park. First moto, I come out. I take second. We're all good. I hear something clicking in the bike, but I'm like, ah, oh, whatever. It's not a big deal. You know, the bike's still running smooth. Second moto, I come over and my boy's in first place and I go to, I hit this step up at Raceway Park. It's like a double step up. I come over the fucking top, bro. And as I pass him in the air, 
I watched my right wheel just fucking go right over his head. And all I said was, oh, fuck. You know, the tie rod to the ball joint, the pin came out. So this, the nut that was holding on the, the hub came off. So when I fucking landed, the bike fucking hit that right arm and just cartwheeled all the way down, bro. Somehow I fucking didn't get hurt, but my bike was in two pieces. And I said, that's it. I'm done. Like, it was so depressing. I put all my time and effort. I was, bro, you can ask my mom. I was in my garage every night till like one, two o'clock in the morning, just cleaning on clean, making sure the bike was perfect, this, that. Put so much time and effort into the season and it was just like thrown away. Like, that's just how it is with anything you're obsessed with and you good and you want to be good at. It's just like fighting like every day. I'm toning it back a little bit now to the point where when I got a family and a wife, I got to think about them and spend time with them. But it used to be when it was just me. It was the same thing. Like, come home from training, breaking down field. Call Mark. Mark, send me the field. Mark, send me some codes. Mark, send me this. Mark, do this. Fight pass. Like, you studying it. That's all you did. So that's how you, you go to bed. You wake up, turn fight pass back on. You know, there's no need for cable because I was studying every opponent. All right. You know, it's the same thing. That's just... It sucks. So you put all that work in, like every guy, not every guy, but most guys in fight camp, 12, 10, 8, 6, whatever weeks it is, you put everything into it and you go out there and look at my fights, OSP, you know, uh, Gian Vellante. I win in those fights and just get caught at the end. It's kind of like you want to quit. It's like, fuck it. Yeah. I got to do all that work, bro. I put everything into it. It's just that you can't never get it together. Yeah, man. Some, it's those guys that they can take that those losses or those upsets and just keep going. You know, and I figured it out. Now I'm at that point now. You know, after getting knocked out by Jimmy and OSP, it's kind of like you hear all the negative comments. Corey's done. He's washed up. Now I'm coming off of two dominant wins over Pat Cummins and Glover takes here. You know, so it's just, it's, it's just life and everything you do. You're going to put your all into it and it's either going to fall or it's going to shine. I mean, I feel like regardless, you're always going to get people to criticize you and like, you know, I mean, like it's like the saying everybody always says, you know, they, everybody wants to support you and, and wants to see you do good, but never better than them. You know what I mean? So, I mean, I feel like now, especially like how all that work, you know, cause I, I was young, I was up, like I, I was working, I was hustling. I spent all my last dollars trying to get this bike to where it was at. And I was just starting MMA when that happened. So I was like, you know, I guess this is my segue into like quitting this sport and fucking just going into MMA but I feel like you know it was like a blessing in disguise until where like it was like all right you know I'm just gonna put full time into MMA and look where it's got me you know what I mean so like something like that I feel worked out to where most people would have been like fuck man like what am I gonna do now or all that money I just threw away you know I could have fixed the bike and went back racing but who knows if I ever would have jumped into fighting like this you know what I'm saying so like I mean, it is what it is. You're going to always have those people. Like, I had people at the racetrack that hated me just because I wasn't, fu- I didn't dress like them. I didn't act like them. And, it was, and I was still winning races. You know what I mean? They just couldn't catch me. I was that fucking fast. I was really fast. I don't talk, I don't talk a lot about the things that I'm good at, but I was really fucking good at racing quads. <laughs> I'm going to put it out there. I was fucking good. And uh, I was fearless. The problem was it was either I crashed out or I won. So I either overshot or you know, flipped or something bad, you know what I mean? But, but you're always, I feel like no matter what you do, whether you're in business, whether you're an athlete, whether you're a fucking janitor, you know what I'm saying? It doesn't matter. You're always going to have those people that are just going to talk shit because they need to talk shit, you know? So, especially now, you know, like with this whole Tito and Chuck thing and, 
John Jones is about to start fighting. So it's like, I feel like this weekend's been huge with commentary to a bunch of shit, you know, like John Jones is now he's out here doing his media run. And I mean, if anybody's got any kind of hate and fucking judgment and all that shit, it's him. You know what I'm saying? But I listened to his interview today. It was actually pretty good. He's like, yeah, I am who I am. You know, those people are going to be there regardless. Whether I'm doing good, they're going to be there. Or I'm doing bad, they're going to be double. You know what I mean? So I feel like, do you think that affects you like in your lifestyle at all? I mean, it used to when I was new to it. You got to think, I went to the UFC off of three fights. You know, in less than a year, I was in the UFC. So I didn't have that. I didn't have the time to deal with media and people talking trash on my Instagram. I didn't have a following. When I got in the UFC, I didn't start on Instagram until I think after I knew I was in the finale. And they told me, you know, so I had like 300 followers going into the finale. I didn't have nobody talking trash on me. Mm-hmm. And I won that fight. And I won the next fight. You know, it was all good then. There were still people cheering me, giving me praise. I had lost. I didn't have any bumps in the road. Then after the Gion fight, that was the first time I had any negative attention towards me in the fighting thing. Because where I came from in the gym, everybody knew all the local fights. Like, man, that kid's going to be good. And people said, like, in a few mm-hmm. fights, you'll be in the UFC. Like, you're good. You know, so my mind was always positive. When I first got that first hate message or some somebody comment, oh, you got knocked out by Gian, blah, blah, blah. You know, it kind of, I'm the type, I don't, let's see. I also, I can say I don't talk much. I'd rather fight. <laughs> but at the same time, when they on social media, if I can't get to them, I'm going to bite back. You know, I usually yeah. bite back. And, you know, I remember Mark Henry messaging like, bro, you don't have to respond to the media. Because I was fine. Everybody has something to say. And, uh. It's still like that sometimes now. It's hard. I got to bite my tongue. Yeah. It's like if there was in front of me, they want to talk. I usually be like, all right, just show me, which means we can fight. You, you want to talk about it? Let's talk with these hands. But since I can't get my hands on these these casual fans, I want to clap back. And it used to bother me. It go into training and be in my head. Um, the Jimmy fight, I can admit to this day now that the comments and the media and things people were saying prior to the fight definitely weighed into my performance going into the fight. You know, instead of going out there and doing what I was going to do, I went out there and did what everybody said I was going to do. Saying, like, if I sat in front of them, one of them hits was going to put me out. Mm-hmm. And Corey's going to be running from the bell. And if you watch, I literally, when the whole bell ran, I didn't. Yeah, you weren't in it. At all. Like, the punches I threw was running backwards. My shots was kind of like, I shot, but once I touched his leg, it was kind of like a bell. <laughs> I got this bell. When I'm going to tell you, if I shoot and touch your leg, I'm holding it. And all right. You're not getting away. And we're going to scramble and I'm end up winning the scramble or I'm break free and shoot again. But everything the media has said and people and interviews, even that week they asked all the fighters on the card in the main event who's winning. And I think only like two people said Corey's got a chance from his movement. But everybody else was saying like, oh, he's going to get knocked out, Jimmy this, Jimmy that. And I heard that, you know, that was in my head. And even training with Catone that whole week. He even kept saying, like, you, you're not moving. Like, I'm hitting you a lot, but I'm not even really throwing nothing. I'm just throwing punches out there, but you're just there for the taking because you're not moving like you're supposed to. Why do you feel like that is such a damper on your mind? Like, why do you think that holds such a high standard in your mind and in the belief? Because, like, most of us fighters are confident people, you know what I mean? But for some reason, like, no matter how confident you are, I mean, we're human at the end of the day. I mean, and the brain is the strongest muscle in the body. You know what I'm saying? Like, I tell people all the time, like, anybody can learn how to fight. But if you don't believe in yourself, you should. Uh, learning how to throw a punch is, is not hard. But if you really don't believe in yourself on throwing that punch and winning a fight, then it's pointless. You know what I'm saying? But, like, why do you feel like the negative energy so like holds such a high standard? You know me. I'm fucking 
a huge head case with this shit. You know, I mean, I've gotten better in the past, but like, like you're saying with Jimmy, like, who knows where that fight would have gone if you got all positive praise? Like, why do you think the mind works like that? Because everybody wants approval of everybody around you. I think that's what it was for me at the time. Like, especially, like, let's put, go back to when I came to Jersey and nobody knew me. In fact, like, I had been on a TV show and, this, and nobody knew who you are and people talking, tra- it, it bothers you. Like, you, you hope for people to accept you and approve you. Like, I'm putting all this hard work and I'm putting all the time in. Why don't people ever see that? Why don't everybody ever say anything good about the training and all the good things I do? You know, giving back to the veterans, hanging out with children. They don't ever say nothing about that. You post stuff like that, it gets no attention. But one bad thing, somebody pulls a holler, you get knocked out, and that's all they see. It kind of bothers you because everybody wants the approval of somebody. Everybody wants to fit in with everybody. They want to be accepted by the world. Mm-hmm. Nobody want to be the outcast. Nobody want to be the person talked about, getting made fun of. It goes back to when we were kids. You know, you got the popular table at lunch, and you got that table of the kids that shunned away from everybody, made fun of, picked on. So, you know, that stuff, you learn that as a kid. So, as you get older, especially if you were one of the people at the popular table growing up, and all of a sudden, now you on the other end getting made fun of, it, it kind of hinders on your mind. It's something It's new to you. It's mm-hmm. a new feeling. And you fighting for that approval, and which is why I was clapping back. You clap back, hoping I'm going to say something like, oh, you're right, Corey. You know, yeah. You're right, Frank. You're right. I'm sorry. I apologize. That's not how it works. It just takes you time. You go through this process, like I've been in for four and a half years now. Now I realize, like, no matter what they say, no matter what I do, they're going to think what they think about me. You know, I see a lot of guys have been talking shit since the first time I got knocked out by Gian. They're still talking shit after our fights now. You know, they wishing upon, they wishing on my wife's page. She posts a page or something about me. And they, oh, he's going to get knocked out just like he did this. And I remember the faces. I remember the names. The Instagram names. They don't change. Then there's some people that are like, man, they come on if I got to give you credit after the Glover fight. Like, I didn't think you were going to be good after you fought GI. I've been watching, and I remember that name. But after that Glover fight, you turned the page. I can see you getting better, and I can't wait to see what happens now. Now you got a fan. Right. You know, it feels good when you get those messages, but at the same time, it's like they're going to be there or they're not. Yeah. Either way, I got to do my thing for me and my family. Everybody can talk about it before the title shot talk and all that. They put my name in the hat with DC and all that. It was a possibility. You know, I was excited. But at the same time, I, I didn't think it was actually going to happen. And everybody was, oh, oh, they're dogging you out with the rankings. You keep dropping this. You just beat the number three, and they put you at number six. Now you back down to number five. Like, I hear it all day, every day. And it's like, yeah, I'm going to keep doing what I'm going to do. I'm going to go fight. I'm going to make my money. If I end up having to beat everybody in 205 before I get my title fight, it is what it is. But when I do it and unify it, they're going to know there was no... It wasn't a popularity contest. Corey didn't go out there and do a, a post interview that had everybody laughing. He got a million followers overnight. Now he's getting a title shot. It's going to be I earned it. Whether I lost on my way there, my losers, and they have to win to come back. Or if I just win from here on out and get it. You know, I'm just going to go out there and do what Corey does. I work hard. I dominate fights. I might not knock guys out, but you can't tell me at the end, oh, that fight could have went either way. Right. It can't. Right. Every one of my fights is clear cut. Just if I win... And there's no, oh, that could have the judges know. Well, most of them are, except for the Shogun fight. Well, I'm saying that if I won. Oh, Shogun, oh, I oh. Only won, like, that, even that one. Even to this day, every time I go to Brazil, the refs I know to this day, I'm like, bro, they cheated the fight. I don't know how they said he even won. He hit you like three times the whole fight. It's just, yeah. You know, I mean, that's the whole point. My coach put that in me in college. Don't go out there and give this guy a chance to say, and we ran this back ten times, I'll win out of ten. If he went 10 times, he's going to know he lost all 10 times. Yeah. Go out there and think if he can say, I don't ever want a guy to say, if we run it back, I'm getting him the next time. 
I want guys to think I don't I don't want to fight him again. Yeah. That that was a fucking war. Like he put a grinding pace on me, and I don't want to do it again. Like John Blockwood told me and my wife personally in Brooklyn at the fights, Corey. To this day, you was my worst nightmare. I I would not want to fight. <laughs> now he's ranked third. I started calling him out. He want to talk. Do you want to talk tough, bro? I, my wife was there. We could do it again. You don't want those problems, but it is the way it is. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean. Fighting, I mean, we're all fighters, we're all men, we all have egos, we all have confidence, you know, we all have our own thing. So, I mean, especially with him, he's on what, uh, one or two fight winning streak right now? Yeah, four fight. So, I mean, like, that's where it's at, you know, like his confidence is getting there, you know. It's like when you were a kid and you had that bully. See, I was on both sides of the spectrum with the bullies, I, I got bullied and I was a bully, but you know, when you have that bully, it's like, fuck, you know, it's like, I can't beat him, I can't beat him, but then you get that boost of confidence that one day you just want to beat the bully up you know what i'm saying so like i feel like that's where it you know all stems from too is you know from childhood and the way you carry yourself especially you know four fight winning streak he's like he feels like he's unstoppable you know what i mean so and nowadays i mean with fighting it's all a fucking show now you know what i'm saying everybody's trying to talk everybody's trying to do the connor but nobody realizes like that shit works for him everybody else that does it, it looks like a fucking idiot because they don't make sense and half these guys don't even have a vocabulary that's the thing. Like, I want to know if Connor would actually be as successful and as funny as he is if he didn't have an accent. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel his accent works for him so much, too. You know, like, if he was just, like, a normal country dude, like, I feel like he wouldn't be as popular as he was. You know what I'm saying? If it was me talking shit, let's just say they, I wouldn't have any followers. I wouldn't have three point something million like he got. Yeah. No, he's crazy up there. But it's all like, yo, I, I like, it's it's funny because people are like, I fucking hate that dude. He's such a prick. And listen, no, I don't agree with the shit that he says. Yeah, he might be arrogant. He might be, but he is who he is and he stays true to his colors and, and that's him and it works for him and it's made him successful. He's uber, uber rich. And who's to say he's a fucking prick or he is? Yeah, he is a prick. He's a smart prick. He's a rich prick. He seems like a happy prick too. You know what I'm saying? And like. That's his thing. That's his umbrella, and that's the one that he's going to hold over his head. And what's wrong with that? You know what I'm saying? And it's like people that are fucking like Daniel Cormier, double champ, super successful, you know, good talkers, family man, doesn't really like shine too much. You know what I'm saying? He's not out here rolling in Rolls Royces, which he probably could in this, that, and a third, but there's nothing wrong with that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that, you know? It's, who's to say anything about somebody's success and how they got there? Like the Jersey Shore. Yeah, bunch of pricks, you know what I'm saying? Like, But they are who they are. You, Those guys stepped in shit, they got lucky, and they rode the wave. Yeah. They're super successful. Everybody talks to shit because of, of the way they perceive themselves on this show, which, yeah, a lot of people don't agree with that. But it makes for good TV. It sells, you know, it sells uh, views. You know what I mean? It makes stupid amount of money. And it's known worldwide, regardless. You know what I mean? So, like, these kids made stupid amount of money, you know, being kids on TV and doing funny and dumb shit. But who's to judge them for, how to, you know, being successful off of something like that? You know what I mean? Like, that's their life. That's the life that they chose. That It is what it is. You know, they're making money. Same thing with the Dr. Phil girl. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. people making uh, money off of stupid shit. I but guess what? <laughs> We're still talking about it 
they're still blowing up and they're just ignoring all that outside bullshit and just doing what they do and riding that wave. You know what I'm saying? I mean, and we're just going to sit here and be like, well, what an asshole that girl is. I can't believe she hits her mom and this, that. Yeah, that is fucked up. But we're, we're fueling that fire. You know what I mean? We didn't take that girl from Dr. Phil to get a, a music Mm-hmm. Now she's got all kinds of followers. Now she's just like a, a actual like a icon. Yeah. Her, uh, uh, public figure. Public like, figure. That's what she was labeled as. And I was like, are you serious? It's all because everybody talked about it. But it's kind of somebody said, no matter if they say my name, good, bad, they laugh with them. As long as they're saying my name, and, they say my name. Like and, when I say stuff on Instagram and people go off, like my comment on some USB says, I get... 300 and some comments of people ha- hating, backlashing, some people commenting, complimenting me. And Jenny and my wife is like, why do you keep doing it to yourself? I said all the time. As long as they're saying my name, my name is getting bugged. More, every time they type my name in up, guess what? It's going to delete it. It's going to get either followers or people going to unfollow me. And when I started doing that, I gained like 2,000 followers in like three days. Just I realized that like, if it's just anything you can just get your name in, it might be hate. It's whatever. Just take it with a grain of salt. People going to say what they're going to say, but. Somebody's gonna start researching your name, and you're gonna gain fans because somebody's gonna respect you, and you're gonna gain haters that's gonna hate you because you're not knocking people out. But my name is relevant; it's staying in, in people's mouths. Any publicity is good publicity. That's what they always say. You know what I mean? But like, it's just wild. It's wild, and, and I can just imagine, like, for instance, like this weekend. So if you guys watched, um, you know, they had UFC fights this weekend. They had, uh, you know, that retirement fight for Chuck and Tito that was. I watched it today and it was an absolute joke, but I can just imagine, you know, maybe not so much for Chuck because he's such an icon and he's such a legend, you know, but I'm sure there's still guys out there that are just ripping into him right now. You know what I mean? And even ripping into Tito, like, oh, you beat up an old retired man, you know, like there's people out there that just thrive off of that negative, that negativity. And then when you feed into it, it's like, oh, Tito answered, you know what I mean? (laughs) It's like. They just got a hard on for a fucking somebody answering their negative thing, calling them an asshole. You know what I'm saying? Like throwing bait, hoping to catch a fish. Yeah. Bite. Yeah. Fish but what did you think of that fight? Uh, I mean, like I said before the fight, I was worried about both their health. Like you can see Chuck in the back was walking like he got an artificial hip. Like <laughs> I didn't think that. I was like, who who approved this? And even like when in the fight, you can see like it was good because keeping his eyes on. That's one thing I'll say. Like, he does eyes on very well, but it was kind of like eyes on him. He wasn't reacting. Yeah, but he had crazy eyes. Yeah, like, he was kind of like, <laughs> took some drugs, his eyes were wide open. And he was he was trying to throw. That's the thing. He was trying, but at the same time, you could feel he didn't have it like he used to, so he was bagging up. And you got to remember, Tito, you can talk trash about Tito, but Tito was just fighting a year ago. He had fought Lane McGeary like a year and a half ago for the Bellator title. Right. Yeah, I mean, he was still active and winning. It ain't like he just came... Chuck took eight years off. That's different. Chuck was, I'm sure he's still in the gym. He was still just fighting recently. Oh, not Chuck. Tito, excuse me. Was fighting recently. So he went out there, and I already knew he was going to win. Everybody, oh, I'm going with Chuck. I, I don't know what they were thinking, because <laughs> you can see when he was hitting the pads on camera, he it wasn't the same Chuck with them. And you can't Dude. expect him to come out there and shine like he used to against a guy who's been active this whole time versus a guy... Who when he went out, I think he got knocked out his last fight too, right? He was having who? Chuck. His last fight, he got knocked out, I believe. Yeah, I think so. 
You know what I'm saying? Like all the damage he had took to his head over the years. Yeah. Like you think I've taken eight years off? Yeah, take time off and your head heal, but your chin doesn't get better. Like you're getting older, so your brain isn't as strong as it used to. Dude, he looks slow altogether. Like he talks slow and like it's a shame because I mean, you see where he came from and you know, the status that he's at and everybody always know Chuck Liddell, the dude with you know, the white boy with the pop belly and the blue shorts and the mohawk and knocking dudes out left and right. You know, yeah, the Iceman, you know? So it was like, it, it was it like, Dorian Cormier said it the best. Like, that was sad. Like, it didn't look right. Like, he was throwing punches. It just, it was, it looked like an old man in there. You know what I mean? And Tito looked, Tito was 47. He looked sharp. He didn't look bad at all. But I feel like Tito looked that good because Chuck looked that bad. You know what I mean? But when I watched it, man, I'm like, yo, Chuck threw maybe 20 punches that were all the slowest thing I've ever seen in my life, you know? And he just looked unstable. He didn't look... He had, like, the eyes from that dude in Get Out when he <laughs> when he told the dude, get, get out of here! Get out! Like, those those were Chuck's eyes, you know what I mean? Like, he was just, what the fuck am I doing here? You know what I mean? And, bro, he got popped with a good punch. Like, I didn't see the fight live. My mom called me and goes, Joe, you shouldn't... You should have saw that shit was... It looked fixed. And I was like, all right. You're like, the hand, like... Because the Frank Shamrock fight looked kind of fixed when he fought Kimbo. Like, that shit looked a little little fugazi, you know? But that shit did not look fixed to me, bro. That was a, a fucking clean right hand that put that old man out. And the last two caught clean, hooked cross, and that cross hit him. Snout and mouth, man. Bro, out, you know? And he likes to party, too. So, like, fighting hook fucked him up a little bit, but I heard he likes to party, you know? So, I mean, it's just a shame that he had to go out like that. But, I mean... Uh, maybe he needed that for himself, you know what I mean? To go out like that and get that almost life lesson, like, all right, I'm done here. You know what I'm saying? No, like, yeah. Tito, at the end, you didn't see the fight. Tito, they was talking in the cage, and Tito was telling him, like, I know you're saying you might be done. You didn't know, but he was saying if he won, he might keep going. And so, like, I know you're saying if you lose, you're done, but I don't think you should be done because I guess Tito and uh, what's the dude, the boxer uh, that promoted. Oh, De La Hoya? Yeah, him and De La Hoya, I guess they kind of like co-owned it together. Like, we could really use you in the 205 division. You come back, you're a legend, you still got time. I want you to keep fighting for us. We'll get a contract signed now or whatever. And you come back and keep get a deal going. I was like, no. Like, <laughs> why are you hyping this up, Tito? And Tito made it seem like, oh, Chuck ain't that bad. I was just that good. This is my best I've ever felt. This is the best I ever did. And I had the best camp business for 12 weeks training hard. And it's like, no matter how good Chuck. or bad you look, Chuck was not Chuck. Like, why are you promoting this guy to keep getting brain damage at like 45, 46? Like, it's done. Like, you, Crazy. you had your legacy. Don't don't tarnish everything you did because the itch to fight or because you're broke. Whatever it is, whatever your reason is to fight, like, do something else. Go get a job. Like, it's okay to go back to work nine to five or yeah. start another business venture. Something that's going to bring money. You're Chuck Liddell, so you're going to get business. People are going to come because you're the ice man. Mm-hmm. No matter what you do, you start. You can start a marijuana business just like Rumble. <laughs> you're going to get people because you're the ice man. <laughs> There's a million things you can do out here. You can collect cans. You're going to make a killer. Collect you're cans. the ice man. They're going to give you their cans. Like, Don't go in the bite. It is true. I just, it, it's tough, man. It's tough, you know, like, I don't know if a lot of you guys know, but you know, I think it was 2015, uh, I was going through a lot of stuff, you know, uh, mentally and, you know, with my family and stuff like that. So 
Um, that's when I fought Sam Stout and, you know, I wanted to step away. I, I retired. I won. I retired from the sport. And it was like that year, even though I was still in the gym, was still like a hard year because I feel like as fighters, we're so used to being in the limelight and being relevant and like always having something to do as far as training or appearances or helping partners, you know, uh, get ready for fights. So, uh, you know, going to fights and talking to people, Oh, when's your next fight? This and a third. And like when it was all said and done and nobody was asking anymore and I wasn't in the limelight and I didn't have a fight and, you know, I had my five minutes of fame, you know, on sports center and all that shit, you know, and, it was all gone, you know, and people were like, yeah, what's up, Frank? Like, not asking me about fighting, not asking me nothing. Or the biggest question, I was like, yo, why'd you retire, bro? Like, what the fuck? Why'd you quit, you know? I think that holds, like, such a high, like, standard, such so much pressure on you as a person, you know? Because, like, now you thought you made the right decision, but, like, all these people putting that on you and you're putting it on yourself, it's like, did I make the right decision? Damn, maybe I do miss it. You know, like maybe I'm supposed to be there. You know what I mean? And like Chuck and Tito, where they were at in their level, like they were the cream of the crop. They were the beginning of this whole shit. They're the OGs, you know? So like when nobody was talking about them anymore and like they saw where the sport was going and where Connor brought it and where the UFC is now and they're like, man, I want to fucking be part of this shit. You know what I'm saying? There's so much money, more money into this game now. So like, I feel like that's kind of where this went too. Like, all right, yo, we'll come back for, you know, a trilogy. But a trilogy really means if one guy won one fight and the other guy won, Chuck beat his ass both times. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, like, I didn't get that whole trilogy part, but, like, I feel like that's the where it was too. Like, these guys see where the UFC and where, like, the show aspect behind the scenes has grown so much to where it's more like WWF style, but a little bit more realistic. So we're like, yo, we could do that and we'll make stupid money. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like it kind of bit him in the ass. You know what I mean? It's like, even though Chuck really wasn't talking too much shit, it still like hindered him in a way that I feel like he'll never be able to get over. You know, like, yeah, I'm going to fight again. And you get that fucking fire in you and you're like, yes. You know what I mean? Because there's nothing like, like stopping everything in your life and all you're focused on is training and fucking beating somebody's ass in, in four or 15 weeks, however long our camps are. And like cutting the weight is the most miserable part, but then you refuel and you feel like a monster. And then you're like the day of you do your morning warm up and that smell the second you get on the, on the fucking bus and you get to the back and there's dudes that have fought already and the sweat in the room. You know what I mean? The, the fucking ambiance and, wrapping your hands you're like fuck we're about to fist fight right now you know what i'm saying like there's nothing like that feeling and like walking out to your song to a, a stadium full of people that don't know who the fuck you are but they're just gonna chant because either they're drunk or they're gonna curse at you because they're drunk and they just don't like you you know what i mean it's one or the other so like it's there's no fucking feeling like that and i feel like chuck and tito like they missed that you know like there's nothing like I'll never be able to relate that feeling ever again. You know what I mean? In my life, unless I'm like turn out to be some kind of fucking rapper or singer or something and that ain't happening. You know what I mean? But like, even if you go into enemy territory, I feel like even when we went to Brazil, it was still like the most unbelievable thing ever, you know? And you got your crew behind you and like, it was just us four, you know? Like that's how I felt when I went to Canada. Like it was, yeah, yeah. 
it's crazy, you know. And like when I, you in Brazil, I went to, when I went to Canada. Even when we went to Germany, bro, I feel like everybody was against us there too, you know. Like, bro, I'm in Canada with my dad and my two coaches, praying to God that these people don't fucking kill us. You know what I'm saying? And towards the end of the fight, people were chanting my name and pumped. You know what I mean? And same thing when you were in Brazil and Germany, and fucking they just you know, there's nothing like that, bro. It's like you literally earn. Whoever views million people, you literally earn probably three quarters of those people respect. You know what I'm saying? And like now they know you. Like there's nothing like that ever. And it's super like, like we're explaining it, but you can explain it all you want. It's that feeling you get inside you. It's like fuck, man. Like I remember the first time I saw Bruce Buffer fucking saying my name, my first UFC fight, and I was like, yo, this is like real life. Like the mats and like he's right in front of me. You know what I mean? Like that's crazy. You know. So I feel like even, I don't care how old you get, you still have that like fire within you. Even like guys like Michael Jordan, he didn't need to come back. He came back and embarrassed himself. You know what I mean? And had like the worst, what was it? Two years he came back for? Something like that. Yeah. And he had the worst fucking performance ever, but it's nothing. I'm sure like warming up in front of that crowd, coming out and hitting a layup or slamming and or just playing the game that you love or fighting, you know, it's like, that it, you're like meant to be there, you know what I'm saying? It's hard to like let that go, you know. Stay home is where the heart is. Yeah. They heart is there, so. Straight so up. That's all they know, you know. Like Chuck, I'm sure fighting, you know that. That's all. He's like 45, whatever he is now. He had fought from teenage to when he retired, and now he's still at like all the UFC fights. He's still in the gym, like hanging out in gyms. I'm sure he never really took that time to. Which is a lot of people in the UFC. A lot of guys I talk to, like, oh, I always want to be a UFC fighter. I always want to be a fighter. This, this, and this. But growing up, I, that's why I, just, I don't think I'm going to have that effect. Like, I'm going to miss it, but it ain't going to be the point where it's going to drive me crazy to go back when I retire. Because I never wanted to be a fighter. Even when I was a fighter, I didn't want to be a fighter. But I put it all on paper and realized if I went this fighting route, I'm good. If I get into the UFC and I can just do to make that money, it's going to get me to the business ventures and stuff I want to do that much faster. You know what I mean? So now I'm in it, and it's like a cash, not a cash cow, but I'm good at it. I get to live the dream people want to live. I live my life. I get to go hunt and do whatever I want on my free time because I don't have to punch no clock. I'm going to get two, three workouts a day, and I can mix that schedule up how I want to mix it up. So if I want to go fishing through the day, I want to go to New York or do whatever it is. You know what I mean? So I think when I'm done with it, I think... I say that now. When I'm done with it, I don't think it's going to drive me crazy to the point where I'm going to miss that attention. You know, again, like I told you guys after a couple losses when everybody in the locker room all sad, like, they're like, why, oh, McCarty's like, why you never get so upset when you lose? And I tell them, Professor, I grew up losing. You know, I didn't win until I was sophomore in high school. So I'm used to being a loser. You know what I mean? So when I take a loss, it doesn't bother me that much. Mm-hmm. So when I walk away from fight, I think the same thing. I'm not going to think as I lost out on something, I'm losing out on anything. It's just time for something different. Because you know, that's what life is. You lose and you either learn. You lose or you learn. You know, all my losses I learn and I come back better. When I walk away from the fight, the sport, I'm not gonna say I'm losing something. I say I learned a lot from that sport and now it's time to take that into something else. But a lot of people don't have that. Like Chuck and these guys that come back from retirement, guys have been losing they're still trying to fight the UFC and the UFC you can you know they're just they're, they're legends. So you're not gonna cut them. You're gonna give them the opportunity to walk away. You know, but some of those guys are like, yo, it's, you did it. You did everything you need to do. You had the title or you fought for the title or you had all these fans and you made your money. 
walk away. Mm-hmm. But some of them don't have the money to walk away. You know, some of them don't know anything else but fighting, so they don't want to walk away until they punch her up, and they can't walk away. You know, because they're hospitalized, they they're much brain. I don't want to get to that point. Yeah, you know? fuck that, man. I mean, I like fighting, but I don't like getting hit. You know what I mean? I don't think anybody likes getting hit. You know what I mean? Yeah. You come in here and you fight. Yeah. <laughs> he said the best. <laughs> you know? But that's so true. <laughs> I don't want to get hit yet. Like, yeah. chilling on them cold. I ain't ready. Straight. Let me fill them out for a little. <laughs> it's so true, though. Like, I feel like my best sparring was before I knew really how to throw punches because it was just, you just throw punches. You don't know any better until you learn how to punch and you're like, fuck, well, I'm setting this up. So, what's he setting up? Now we're overthinking shit. You know what I mean? And then when you get confident in that, then you get, you're, you know, you get dropped for the first time or you get put out for the first time. Then you're like, whoa. I don't want that feeling ever again. You know what I mean? So now you have like 10 different things on your mind instead of just going out and hit and not get hit. You know what I mean? But like, that's just crazy how like the mind works. You know what I'm saying? Like we talked about 15 different things and all those things have a different effect on the fucking mind. You know what I mean? It's just nuts. But like, I feel like too, being on that status, you know, quote unquote, being like that, you know, not for nothing, Chuck and Cheeto are famous, you know? Uh, I really don't know exactly what is the standard of someone being famous. You know, like the actual, like we can look Google up the definition and be like, all right, famous people are, but like, where does that line, like, where is that line? You know what I mean? Like, where do you hit to where you're like, you're considered like a famous person, you know? And like, does that standard change you? And do you know that you're famous? You know what I'm saying? Like, not that I'm famous at all, but a lot of look like a lot of people in the area know who I am. You know what I'm saying? And people call me like a local celebrity. You fucking say it all the time. You know what I mean? But I don't consider myself that. I don't even introduce myself as a fighter. You know what I'm saying? I'm a DJ. I hate people that think I'm a fighter. You know, like that consider me like, oh, you're, oh, you're that fighter, right? I hate that because I could talk and act and I we go out and we don't even talk about fucking fighting. You know what I'm saying? Or we'll touch it. Yeah. We don't talk about it. I hate it, you know, because like I feel like when you talk about that fighting aspect, it changes the whole atmosphere of the situation because now you got guys that like want to relate to you or have something to compare to or now their egos checked because you're a fighter and now they think you're tougher than them. You know what I'm saying? And like then when it gets to the girls aspect, it's like, oh, this dude's some fucking big tough fighter or damn, I kind of want to blow him because he's a fighter. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, so like, that's like where this whole famous fighter female aspect fear all like kind of intertwine. You know what I'm saying? Because like, there's so much fear that goes into fighting on a lot of different aspects as far as, you know, fear for yourself, fear for your family, fear for your career. You know what I mean? And just leading up to the fight there's so much there you know what i'm saying and then after the fight there's so many you know capabilities of being famous whether you're you know continue fighting or you know break into the acting world or like tyrone woodley with that terrible song he wants to be a rapper now and and then with all that that fear that builds up into you know the fighting aspect the fighting aspect that builds up to the famous and like where the famous comes is groupies and females. You know what I'm saying? So it's kind of crazy how 
like that's where I wanted to really get with this podcast is how like, you know, all four of these intertwine in so many different ways and hit everyone differently. You know what I'm saying? Like you're on a level of famous and like Frankie's on a different level of famous in his own way. And Eddie's on a different level of famous on his own way. And Connor is on it. You know what I mean? And Caitlin and Sarge and like everybody has their own like little, you know, entities and like little chapters of their own like famous and shit that fears them. You know what I'm saying? Like my biggest fear with fighting is like, I never want to get beat up in front of my mom. Like that's my fear. I can lose, but like, I never want to get beat up in front of my mom. That's only happened to me once. You know what I mean? And I'll, I told myself I'll never let that happen again. You know what I mean? I might, I'd rather go out, but I'll never get beat up. Like that was my fear. You know what I'm saying? Or like disappointing my parents, you know, but everybody has their own like different fear that affects their fight and drives them to fight, you know, like with you growing up the way you did, you know what I mean? You always wanted to prove your parent, your dad wrong that you could do this. You know what I'm saying? So like that fear of fuck, I got to make this work. You know what I mean? Otherwise my dad's just going to hold it over my head and I got to fucking build roofs for the rest of my life. Like fuck that, you know, but then you fought and you weren't famous at the beginning. You were just another black guy. But, like, then you got your shit off, you know what I mean? And people started recognizing you. Now you got, you know, you got your, your name. You have a fuck your, your status, you know what I'm saying? Like, you have your followers, you're blowing up, and you're doing all this. And, like, so it's, like, I feel like everybody, that affects everybody differently. Like, with you, you're a super humble dude. And, I mean, you have friends, like, around you that kind of keep you stable. And, like, don't let that shit, you know, I feel like our friends kind of, we all talk pretty real. Like, our team is pretty real, you know what I mean? Like, somebody's fucking up or somebody's saying something or acting a fool. If somebody doesn't, if one of us is going to say it out of everybody that's on the team in between our friends, you know? But why do you feel like, like, like that status of like changes people so much? You know what I mean? Like considering being famous is, I think the one that you see get changed, it, it goes back to how they grew up. You know what I mean? Like I know me coming home from the ultimate fire, my fat, my dad put me in check. Before I could even think about being like, oh, I'm considered famous. It was the day after I won the finale. I came right home and I was out helping my dad in shopping. He looked at me and said, you think you big now, huh? You think you famous, some celebrity? I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm already helping you right now. He was like, you just remember this, right? I'll tell you right here, right now. The same people you passing the way up, it's going to be the same people you passing the way down. You ain't never going to be better than nobody. You ain't never going to be no big shot. I don't ever want you thinking somebody owe you anything because of who you are. You just like everybody else. And that was just, like when he said it, like I ain't even at the point where I'm thinking this. But now, on the way up, like that's always in the back of my head. When I go somewhere, some kid's like, wait, you're you're famous, right? Like, no, I'm not, I'm well known. Like, you know, it's just, it's how you grew up. Now, if you grew up entitled, like a lot of these Jersey kids here are entitled as shit. You know, they, yeah. you gotta give me this. You better give me this. Now, you let them get 15,000 followers on Instagram. You know, I got 15,000 followers. I'm famous. I don't need this. Give me bottle services. I want tables. I want VIP, and I ain't paying nothing. It's like, bro, you're not anybody. You just, you're a social, a social uh, media celebrity. That's it. You made a video that got hits. You're a one-hit wonder. You posted one YouTube video that got hits or something for a little bit, and people followed you. Or you made one meme or something that was funny and got a bunch of followers. Or you did one cool thing, a TV outtake or something, and a lot of people like get to their head. So some people in the world, I think. It goes from the way they were raised. Their parents made them feel super special. Like, nobody gets to tell you this. If somebody tell you no, you tell me. If you get in trouble, it's the teacher's fault. It's never your fault. Like, they were spoiled 
I think those are the people that get in their head like, oh, I'm super famous, blah, 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 this, this, and this. But the ones that grew up in humble beginnings, and they stayed humble, and, you know, they grew up in a blue-collar family or something, those are the ones that I think they don't take the, the fame and the followers that they had. Because I've met a lot of people that I'm fans of on this road to USC, like, not even in in fighting or acting or anything crazy. Like, it's some famous hunters out there. You go on their page, you got, like, 700-some thousand followers. You got Matt Best from Black Rifle Coffee. You got all these different people I've met over time. You meet them, and you would think, like, man, this guy's going to be kind of like, he probably going to be a prick or something. But it's the complete opposite. Like, Cameron Haynes, when I met him, he told me, oh, I'm a fan, Corey Bowles. Oh, grab a picture. Anything you need hunting advice. I talk to him all the time now on Instagram. Levi Morgan, another hunter. John Deli, another big hunter. You ask any... Big hunter or guys into hunting about these guys. Like, oh, that guy, he's, he's famous. He's this for hunting. But it's just normal people. You know, I talked to Levi Morgan quite a bit. T-Bone, the Bone Collector's crew. Um, Matt Best, you know, when I took a picture, I was at his house. Never met the guy before. He invited me. Oh, your friend's over here. We clean the deer or whatnot. Yeah, just come over. Just when you get here, I'll come grab it. We're in his backyard. I don't know who this guy is. And I post, somebody posted a picture on his Instagram page, and somebody messaged me, like, yo, you hanging out with Matt Best? I'm like, yeah, like, that's the owner of Black Rifle Coffee, all this stuff. Check his YouTube channel. He's so American. This is this. Come to find out, dude, famous, old uh, Green Beret in the military and all this stuff. And to me, he treated me like nothing. His, him, his wife had me in their house in his gym, his recording studio, was cooking on his grill for me, let me drink his whiskey, like, in his house on my... Uh, hunting boots with mud. Like, oh, I'm taking shoes off. Go ahead. I'm tracking mud. Like, don't worry about it. Like super cool about it. You know, not a lot of people like that. Some people are like, oh, this is my, this is tile floors. Blah blah blah. Take your shoes off there. Don't scuff my floors. This is such and such couch. Don't sit on it. People in this house just having a good time, being relaxed. A bunch of veterans. My guy Mike Baker. All of us just hanging out. And if nobody would have told me who he was, I would just thought he was just another guy from the neighborhood. But just so happened he lived next door to my buddy. And he's got a huge following. People claim him as famous, but I don't think he sees that because that weekend we went out and watched the fights at the bar and had like a steak dinner. And him and his wife came out and hung out with us like three hours, just out in general public, sitting there playing pool, shooting darts, shuffleboard, and everything. You know, people come taking taking pictures with him. Yeah, one kid messaged me that wanted a video. He did a video for the kid. I sent it to him. You know what I mean? Wish the kid the best of luck and all this. It was some people. But then when I was a kid, at the same time, I went to the Knicks game. And uh, it was uh, Latrell Sprewell, Patrick Ewing, and Allen Houston. Like two, three people had the opportunity to meet. Patrick Ewing, super nice guy. Came out, gave his shoes to the kid, autograph, blah, blah, blah. Allen Houston's father met my dad, and he called Allen Houston up. We hung out in the stands with him for a while. And then my brother waited in line to see Latrell Sprewell for probably like an hour and a half. And when Latrell walked up the door and saw the kids, he was like, get them kids out. I don't sign autograph. Come get me when everybody gone and turned his back. Huh. Uh, and it was just like, and that's when you realize different levels of people and athletes. <clears throat> and I, I know, remember another thing my brother told me before when I got into it. He said, I don't care how big and famous a person is, we don't never get starstruck. And saying, like, nobody's ever bigger than us. Like, we just as good as him. He might have a name and people know him, but that's it. And all that pays in. It's like, whatever you do, however people treat you and how you react to that. And so it gives you that entitlement to feel you're famous or you're just well-known. You know what I mean? Because I can go back to my college now, my old college, and I go to a party. And people be like, oh, you quit? What are you doing here? Like, at the time, I was like, I'm 26. What are you doing here? 
I'm partying. I can't party with you, but you're in the UFC. So I'm still 26. Yeah. Like, yeah. I still like to have a good time. Like I can't be at my boy's house because I'm of who I do what I do. And I'm like, that's pretty cool. Oh yeah, we take pictures, we hang out. It is what it is. Yeah. Some guys are like I'm not going there. I got a name. I ain't really caught here in this college town. That ain't me. Yeah. The same people I grew up with, the same people I want there with me. You know, I don't forget where I come from. I still rep Rocks, Illinois. Growing up, it was 1,200 people. You ask anybody, what's Rocks, Illinois? I don't know, never heard of it. Small town. You know, there was there was two signs in my town when you come in. One sign said hometown of rookie, rookie of the year, Danica Patrick, and the other side of the town said home of Corey Anderson, UFC, this, this, and this. But they took Danica's down because she stopped repping. She started saying she's from Atlanta, Georgia. She was ashamed of where she came from. Such a small place. Her grandparents live in Atlanta, Georgia, but she's not from there. But all the magazines and stuff that she's from there, this, this, and this. She's dating Aaron Rodgers now. She's in that famous, that mindset. Right, right. That took her sign down. But, yeah, but. I feel like everybody loses their way with that shit. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm nowhere near the status of you, but even like, you know, I go out and I like going out or whatever, but sometimes I steer away from it just because I know people are going to ask a million questions and, whatever or even if i do go out people are just like man I never see you come out just because i don't want to ask this you know answer the same fucking quite oh when you fight when this and that but i feel like some of these people just you're right you know make make it seem like they're on another level than they are and they probably are but what what's the sense of proving that and and talking about it you know what i mean like you bleed blood like we do you know what i mean you go to work like we do your job just seems a lot cooler but Who's to say we're not happy doing our jobs? You know what I'm saying? Our normal nine to five jobs. Oh, you go act with J Lo and George Clooney and whatever, but and I sell life insurance during the week, but I love selling life insurance. You know what I mean? Who's to say I'm not happy? Who's to say you are? You know what I'm saying? So I, I agree with everything you're saying. It is true. You know, you see it all the time. You see it all the time. Especially like and not even on this, like a high standard like that. Like even like some of the kids in the gym that are amateur fighters now going pro. You know what I mean? Just from that small little, I'm not an amateur, I'm a pro, they just carry themselves differently. Now they have a huge ego trip. Now they want to wear fucking jumpsuits everywhere. And, you know, you get custom. Yeah. Yeah. You know, get custom T-shirts and, you know, whatever. Put new hubcaps on their cars that have spinners on them. Or, you know what I'm saying? They just want to. <laughs> they tans. But I keep them clean, though. <laughs> but it's so true, you know what I mean? It's it's crazy what a entitlement, you know, gives to people and, and the level that it puts them on. That That's why people, like, I, I stay away from all that shit and why people, like, kind of, you know, I feel like some people like the way I talk and other people kind of, you know, they don't see the perspective in it. But when I talk to them and give them the reality check, you know, and they're like, oh, well, maybe it's, you know, Maybe life really isn't supposed to be like that. Like, no. It doesn't matter whether you're a millionaire. It doesn't matter whether you're a struggling artist. If you're happy doing what you're doing, that should be what creates the rest of your life and makes you fucking feel, you know, uh, yourself. Makes you feel yourself. Makes you feel who you are. Makes you appreciate what you're doing. You know what I'm saying? Like, when you force yourself to do something, you don't appreciate it. You don't, you're really not happy with yourself. You're kind of just doing it to doing it, to doing it, to do it. You know, it's like people that are like, Oh, I'm going to start working out Wawa just to make some side cash. They fucking hate working out Wawa making side cash. 
But in their head, they're like, oh, there's something I have to do. Instead of like, yo, let me just go back to school, you know, struggle for the next four years, get a career that I like, you know what I mean? But nobody wants that struggle, you know what I'm saying? And like what people don't get is like all these famous people are like, oh, this guy makes that, 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 but he's kind of a fucking asshole, this, that. But you don't know what this famous dude, yeah, maybe he is an asshole, but how do you know this guy on his way up, how do you know he didn't get fucking like shunned by a bunch of people? How do you know he didn't get like backstabbed by people? How do you know he didn't get mad people at his fucking doorstep when he hit his first million dollars, like trying to get, you know, money from him or jump on his bandwagon? Cause that's how this shit goes. You know what I'm saying? Like, how do you know he's not like that? He's like that, not from being, you know, himself. You know what I mean? Like, it's crazy how all this kind of like works together. You know what I mean? And 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 people don't just don't ever get the story. They just literally judge the book by its cover and take it for what it is. You know what I mean? So one thing I, I, I'll never understand is like the way like females like interact with people that are well known or whatever. Like and it's so like black and white. You either get the girls that are like don't give a shit and they're like they're just so into themselves or you get the girls that just are all about you know you your title you know and want nothing to do with anything about you but they just want to know like be known to be with you you know what i'm saying all because you have a blue check under your instagram name you know what i'm saying like it's the craziest thing they don't realize like you can have a conversation you can bring them out to dinner and show them a fucking great time or travel with them and learn so much but like just the status of your instagram fuck what your name is fuck who you are you could be an absolute scumbag but just that title right there. Or you get these girls that are just so wanting to be some kind of materialistic icon in their own in their own right, which is fine. A blank canvas. You know, which is fine. But it's just so it's it's crazy how they react to somebody's status. You know what I mean? You can be an entrepreneur that works at Walmart just to make some side cash to keep your hobby going until it breaks loose or you can be you know some dude some trust fund baby that acts like you know he struggled and he went through the shit but he's got you know a fortune 500 company now you know what i mean that was handed to him which there's no wrong that's fine that's that's his life you know what i mean but that's not the way some of these girls think it's crazy you know and and in the fight world we meet girls like that all the time oh the fighter this that and the third and you know I mean, I'm talk on my sense for this because you're a married man now, but yeah, I used to take full advantage of that. You know what I mean? And I used to be called the asshole for taking full advantage, but why am I the asshole? You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not forcing myself on anyone. I'm not lying to anyone. I'm, this girl likes me for whatever she thinks I am. I'm still going to be myself, but I'm also going to have fun doing it. You know what I mean? So, (laughs) you know, it's like crazy. And I mean, times have changed drastically. You know, I'm definitely not where I used to be. But like, why do you think like these girls are such attracted to like famous, not so much famous people. I mean, we'll keep it on fighting, like fighters and like that whole status, like and, and depending on where they're at in the totem pole, it's like even more excessive and bigger, you know? Like I said, I blame it on Kim K. Where did Kim Kardashian come from? Because she was known for having sex with Ray J and leaking a sex tape. You know, you see so many people now blowing up. So many people here, oh, 
a sex tape was leaked of this or a picture leaked of somebody mm-hmm. with some random girl. And all of a sudden, that random girl get 100,000 followers because somebody want to know what she know. And she put out there what she knows. And now all of a sudden, she got a million followers. Then all of a sudden, the media is all over her. She get her blue check mark because she's commenting and messaging back so much. Now she's Instagram famous. Mm-hmm. You know? And I've heard girls say it before. Um, some girl I met, I think like a top golf or something. She was like, oh, you guys, you, you guys are verified. You should guys, uh, should tag me and stuff and try to get, I need to get more sponsors so I can get more followers and I can get this. Like, mm-hmm. what? No. Like, I, I'm not here to talk about what's up on Instagram. <laughs> like, I'm having an actual conversation. Just like you said, judging the book by its cover. A lot of people look at me. If you don't know what I look like, go to my Instagram. You see a big black guy and you think, and big country black guy and I don't smile much. So, you know, a lot of people think I'm an aggressive person getting into clubs and whatnot. How many clubs have we ever got in on the first try? Yeah, never. Very ne- never. Never. Because I don't smile. <laughs> I, the clothes I wear, I'm not fitting in. I'm not wearing skinny jeans. I'm not wearing bright colors. I'm not laughing and cracking jokes. I'm always looking like I'm thinking about something because I'm I'm always watching my surroundings. I don't want to play a joke and then something pop off and I'm caught off guard. So that's just not who I am. So a lot of people see me and they think I'm going to be a big asshole, a big jerk because I'm a big dude, big black dude. I'm either a gangbanger, um, thug or something. This you know is true. But this... then when they get to know me and they realize, like, dang, like, I can't even picture you being a fighter. You're like, you're so nice. You're well-spoken. You're educated. It's, it's, but that's just who I am. Mm-hmm. You're going to judge me by my cover and you miss out on so many opportunities to know, like you said, I can travel to work. We can have fun. Like Jenny says all the time, my wife, like all those girls you had in the past, I'm sure they probably like kicking their ass, kicking themselves in the ass now. Like girls try to holler at, they try to play me because I was so big or I wasn't that guy that I didn't look the part. Mm-hmm. But then I see them stalking my Instagram now. I see it liking my <coughs> stuff. I heard people say, a girl try to holler at, say, oh, I could have had him before, but you didn't. Because you judged me by the way I look or because I wasn't smiling. It's all right. You missed out. And now me and my wife, she lived a life. We lived a life together. And that's because my wife gave it a chance. She didn't judge me by what I looked. She said now when she first met me, she didn't wasn't attracted to me. No. But when she got to know me and we started going on dates and hanging out, we got a, a phenomenal relationship with best friends. It's, we share all the same interests. It's a great thing. And a lot of people, that not just in a relationship, but they pass that on networking, you know, it could be somebody in the club that he might not look famous. Like I told you, it's a guy, I can't remember his name, but he's in the UFC. He doesn't dress like he's rich. And I even, Jenny said it before, who's that guy? I see him in all the events. Like he's actually the big money, but nobody knows that because he's not. Oh, uh, Ari? Something like the older guy or whatever. He always got a scarf and wearing a regular button down. Oh, uh, uh, Scott? Scott? The guy looks like he's from Harry Potter. Yeah. 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 You know, but you never think he's the one really, he's the show of it all. You see him on TV in the background, but he's never in the limelight. He's never in the club or none of that. But he's the one with all the money, but nobody ever knows it. Just like Steve Jobs. Mm-hmm. Steve Jobs, a lot of, you never see him dress fancy. He did his little speaking engagements wearing like a regular Bill Cosby sweater or a regular t-shirt with some yeah, well, some of those people, too, I think, are so, like, caught up in their own minds that worrying about what they're wearing gives them anxiety and they freak out, you know what I mean? Because they're, you know, but you're absolutely right, you know, uh, definitely uh, people, especially nowadays with social media, it's like 
such a materialistic and you know entitled life now just because of a picture program you know and that's really all it is a picture program with some slick comment that you put or no comment that you put but they just you know they always say a picture's worth a thousand words you know what i mean but like what are those thousand words like are they all positive are they all negative are they all you know what i mean and like with these girls they just base you off of what they see on instagram they don't know any any better they don't know who you are you could be a fucking dick or you could be the nicest guy in the world but just because you have a picture with your shirt off or they see you beating somebody up they're like they're 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 like feel instantly connected like oh my god that can be the 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 father of my children we can live like this happy life and this that and a third or oh my god i saw ben's in the back he definitely drives a nice car he's definitely rich he'll definitely take care of me and i'm like yo it's so crazy it's so crazy like i'll never forget when i was in canada i met this chick who straight up told me she's like you're a fighter huh and i'm like yeah she didn't even know I won. She didn't even know who the fuck I was. She didn't know who I fought. She didn't know nothing. She's like, I just gave these fights. For she was a semi-truck driver for the oil refinery and rode Harleys for a living. This, like, tattooed. She was good-looking, very good-looking girl. Like, just threw me. For, she was showing me pictures of her semi-truck. She was showing me her three Harleys that she owns. Like, it was the weirdest conversation I've ever had with a female. Like, I, I didn't feel like a man in this conversation. I'm like... Bro, I got—I didn't even have the grom at that point. I was like, I got a mountain bike and a Hyundai. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, what the fuck? This girl's just showing me up. But she was just like, yo, I've always dreamt of being with a fighter. And I was like, word. Well, uh, I'm in middle of Saskatoon, Canada, <laughs> where nobody knows. There's a Walmart an hour and a half away and a bar in the lobby. You found your fighter. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yo, and it straight up was like that. Like, that's what it was, and she left, and I was it, you know, and she was like, thank you so much, you know. Um, didn't ask for my number, didn't ask for nothing, and but just because of that title, you know, like, she didn't know what she was getting into, but, like, these girls just put it into their heads, and guys are the same way. Like, I hate to, like, I don't want to talk about females and females and, like, yo, you females are always wrong. Females are always, you know, the negative or the positive, and it's always the females because – us guys are the same way too. You know what I'm saying? There's guys out there like not us, for instance. And even sometimes you, you, we get caught up in that. Like people will come up to us like, Oh my God, you know what? Like I have a friend that, you know, works in the city and he's always meeting these girls. And, you know, he talks about like where they came from and who their parents are. And some of them are trust fund babies. And, you know, like, Oh my God, her dad, you know, works for Bloomberg or this dude's like an attorney that, you know, makes a million dollars a month. And, you know, he lives off that status of these girls' lifestyle, but doesn't get to know who the girl is or doesn't, you know, get to vibe on what her lifestyle is. Like, it's not her fault that her parents made it and made it comfortable for her. You know what I'm saying? And, like, now they feel like, oh, I got to date this girl because, you know, she's making it. So, like, she's going to make me comfortable and, like, maybe I can work for the dad and, like, live this fucking rich, rich and infamous lifestyle. You know what I mean? And it's like, it's crazy because it works 1000% both ways. But I just always, it was crazy to me how a title of employment holds such a high standard in somebody that's willing to 
give it up for that person. You know what I'm saying? So like you could be the same person and, and go meet a girl one week and go, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm Frankie Perez, you know, Oh, what do you do for a living? Oh, I'm Sarah. Oh, what do you do for a living? And she's like, Oh, I'm a lawyer. Oh, what do you do for a living? Oh, I have a, you know, uh, a CBD vending machine company. Oh, that's cool. And then like turn around and go walk away. But you go and meet Sarah, the, you know, two weeks later and you're like, Oh, I'm Frankie. Oh, you're Sarah. Oh, what do you do? Oh, I'm a lawyer. Oh, what do you do? Oh, well, you know, I'm actually an actor. You know, I just bought a new big bad mansion out here. That's my Bentley parked outside. Oh, Frankie. Wow. That's crazy. Where are you from? All of a sudden there's like a conversation and I'm not saying that's every girl, but that is a lot of girls. You know what I'm saying? That, you know? And, yeah. And I feel like it's crazy how we get like judged for just being who we are, you know, as fighters and stuff like that. And I always wondered like where the word groupie came from, you know what I'm saying? Because it's, it's not just for fighters, it's actors, singers, rappers, you know, like we get, a we get a little bit of it, but like realistically the rappers and the singers and all these dudes and actors, I'm sure it's like a line out the fucking hotel and their buses and stuff like that. Like what, what do you think drives these people, male and female? I'm talking male and female, so you girls chill out. Whoever's listening, all you girls just chill out, like calling me an asshole and all this shit. Because honestly, you might not think this way, but 1,050%, you've thought this way once. At least once. Male and female. I think it's more of a fact. Some of them just want to live. Like, some of them don't care if it's known because they just want to have a good time for the moment. Like you said, that truck driver lady, whatever. Somebody she was a semi-truck driver, bro. I said truck driver. Yeah, no, semis. Sem oil, actually, oil rigs. Oil rig. Okay, Serious. Some people don't care to get to know people. You know, they don't want that physical connection because, you know, some people have been hurt in the past. So they don't want to get physically connected to nobody. I know before I found my wife, I was that way. Like, I, would, I like getting to know people, but I never want to get to know you, your personal life to the point where I start growing feelings for anybody because... I was scared of what happened in the past. I didn't want that to happen. Mm -hmm. Some people are like that. And I can tell, I remember a time we was in Hoboken and we was kicking in with those, uh, I don't know, you knew the one girl, her friend came. And as we was leaving, she's like, I'm trying to get a dude that's trying to fuck up some commas for me. And I was like, yep, I didn't. <laughs> and that was it. It's not the fact, like, I don't have money. I'm, yes, I'm cheap and frugal, but you got the wrong one. She was thinking, she's with some fighters. We got money. We already had the bottle service up in there, which we didn't have to pay for because we knew the people there, but nobody knew that. Free. <laughs> oh, free. <laughs> <laughs> so, in her mind, she's thinking, oh, we're going to keep partying. We're going to spend money all night. But that, this ain't what it is, sweetheart. Yeah. Ain't that. You're going to get to know me tonight. We're going to Tommy John's down the street. <laughs> Jimmy John's. <laughs> Jimmy John's. Uh -huh. We ain't going to no five-star restaurant. <laughs> we're going to have some drunk burgers and Gatorades. Uh -huh. We're going to talk about it. Yeah. And we either going home or we going home. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> that's, that's how it's going to work. I mean, that's just some of the girls' minds. They come out, they're looking for a good time. They're looking for Mr. Right now, not Mr. Right. You know, a lot of them, they don't care to get tied down. They, I know 40-year-old women that's still in the bar bartender and having a good time living that life. Like, they had their kids and how they or got divorced, they went right back to it. 
or they just never had kids and they 40 and still trying to party like they 20. It's like, mm-hmm. Some people don't want to get to know anybody and grow up and grow old. They just want to grow old in the club scene. That's what they know. That's what's fun to them. And have fun, right? Yeah, to each is their own. So, I mean, you can, I'm not going to judge somebody for they, what they like doing. Just know I'm not that one. Like, it doesn't matter now. Like you said, I'm a married man, so I'm out of that. You know, I go out and have a good time. We get bottle service. We in there chilling just to stay away from the crowd. Yeah. You know, I got my wife. I got my family. I ain't trying to keep everybody getting stepped on. You know, but <laughs> I'm, I, I'm going to the club with just me and my boy. I'm completely fine sitting with the general public in the middle of the dance floor, bumping elbows, scooting, excuse me, excuse me, getting to the bathroom to get a drink at the bar. You know what I mean? Right. So, some people, like I said, I think men and women, like if, if J-Lo or somebody was up in the VIP, every dude from the break their neck to try to get to get to J-Lo because one, she's bad as hell. Yeah. And two, you know, it's going to be a good time up there. I love oh, her. Beyonce, you heard Beyonce saying that song, you got to sign a non-disclosure. I definitely want to go party with her. Right. Like, <laughs> I want to know what I can't tell people about. <laughs> you know? I'm not worried about getting to know them or have a conversation. I would love to pick their brains, her and Jay-Z, but that time at the club, if you in the club looking for love, you're in the wrong spot anyway. All right. Put it that way. If you meet me, I'm. I, if I met you in the club, I got one thing on the mind. All right. It ain't getting to know what's on your mind. I'm small talk. I ain't gonna keep chit chatting back and forth. Weezer, you know what the saying is. But we doing it tonight. Trying to do small talk until we get drunk and leave the bar together. It is true. I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, going out, I mean, we're young. And, you know, even though you look 41, but I mean, we're, (laughs) you're still in your 20s, you know, Uh, you know, we used to go out. It is true. I mean, at the end of the day, I feel like men and women think the same, but for some reason in any, like, bad situation the men are always wrong first until the full details come out you know and the male still might be wrong but in some instances you know the female is the wrong one and when it comes to like this being famous and whatever it's like for some reason and and there are guys out there that promise the world and i love you oh my god i'm gonna do this and you know sugarcoat a bunch of shit to help them out you know and and they're a bunch of bullshit artists but i feel like at the end of the day, you are who you are and you say what you want to say and what you believe in and you can't hold accountable for what they've been through in their past for other dickheads. You know what I'm saying? And like, I feel as, as a male fighter or female, but most of the time male fighter, we're already losing in their eyes because, you know, they're already like, oh. Well, oh, you're some big time fighter, or you fight for a living. Oh, you probably met so many girls, or you know they they say they're cool with it, and then they slide like little things inside the, uh, you know, in there like, oh, I'm sure I'm the first one on this couch, or some like little thing like they're like, I don't care, but yeah, I'm sure you. This is the only conversation you ever had, and you're like, you know what I mean? So it's like it's crazy how that works, though. But I mean, I don't think we'll ever understand how men and women work, and you know how things transpire, especially from nights of alcohol or, you know, uh, uh, meeting somebody that's famous or meeting somebody that has a regular job. You know what I'm saying? I feel like love and all that stuff is going to happen regardless, whether you want it to or not. It's just going to smack you in the face randomly. You know what I mean? And like it did with you. You know what I'm saying? And, 
you know, <laughs> now you're married and have a baby on the way. CJ. Um, but yeah, I think it's just crazy, especially in this fight world, you know, and, and we're just little guys, you know what I'm saying? And we've gone through it, you know, and I couldn't imagine being on like a real status, like with absolutely no filter and just doing what you want to do when you want to do it, how you want to do it. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's crazy. And that's why like people judge my, that dude that I follow, uh, Dan Bilzerian, you know, but good for him, bro. That dude lives his fucking life. He makes his own money. You know, he has girls around him all the time. He shoots guns. Like he trains MMA. He's not trying to be anyone. He just does cool shit. Like his interviews were like the most eye-opening thing. He's like, bro, I got Instagram because I did cool shit. And I thought people would want to see it. Yeah, I have a million, uh, you know, girls around me every single day. Who gives a fuck? You know, it's the life that I chose. I'm not hurting anyone. I'm not fucking uh, breaking any laws. I'm not, you know, being a fucking shithead person. I have fun. I live my life. I have girls around me. I shoot guns. I have goats and and tortoises and... That's the life I live. I smoke mad fucking weed and do crazy drugs, but it is what it is. I'm also a fucking multimillionaire professional poker player, you know? And I'm sure if you ask any of those girls, you'd be like, yo, Dan's the coolest fucking dude ever. You have sex with Dan? Yeah. You know, every Tuesday and Thursday, you know? But it is what it is. You know what I'm saying? Like, those girls that hang out with him probably like hanging out with him for the person he is, but probably wouldn't be hanging out with him if he wasn't on that status. You get what I'm saying? So, like, that's where you'll never, well, I'll never understand how, like, that shit works or whatever. I'll just talk about it. But I'll never judge someone for acting or pretending to be somebody that they're not. Because if that's what they think they need in their life to make them feel comfortable and healthy and proud of themselves, then it is what it is. You know what I'm saying? Who are we to tell somebody to live their life a certain way? We can talk to them and give them that reality check and be like, yo, dog, like, that ain't cool. But to them, us saying it ain't cool, now we're against them. You know what I mean? It's it's, it's like a lose-lose no matter what, you know? Yeah. Like, I got into a conversation the other day with one of my friends from L.A., and, you know, I was talking about, you know, like, why these girls post half-naked pictures on Instagram and stuff, and it's like the fucking – dopamine drug is the craziest thing in the world you know the dopamine drives the world you know and we look at quick right off of the bat we look at it like oh look at this slut you know but when we post a picture on instagram with our shirts off some women are like oh we so full of himself or some women are like damn yo she he's bad you know and vice versa but why has it got to be like negative right off the bat for females and not males? You know what I'm saying? And the words of my wife is a double, double standard. Yeah. We have, me and my wife have this conversation all the time. She's probably the biggest, uh, what do you call them? Sexist? No, not sex. Uh, women uh, activists. Women activists. There you go. She's dope. I hear it all the time. Let something come on TV that degrades women. It's, now it's, we having a debate. <laughs> and, I'm not even in it. I'm just sitting and she's pregnant. <laughs> and so she's, she's, <laughs> she's debating back and forth for herself. Like, I'm yeah. And I'm just watching TV, like, I don't know. What <laughs> she's on the A side, she's on the B side. Yeah. It's like, okay, did this. He has sex with her too. Why is she a slut? Yeah. Why is he a slut? I was like, well, I mean, 
as a guy, if some girl throwing it at you, you you're gonna say yes no matter what you just. It's like okay, maybe the same with him. Maybe he hit on her. She can't say yes. Like mm-hmm. it's okay. Like Amber Rose, she stands up for Amber Rose. Like they talk about Amber Rose being a slut. She says she's a slut. But I don't think nothing wrong with. It. I think it's okay that she's out with. It. That's fine. You know, some people are okay with it. And Amber Rose, she take her whatever people say, and she runs with it. And she did the slut walk and all that stuff to say how she's proud of the life she lived. And some women. You know what you're doing, but when somebody say it, they want to fight it. And, you know, they right. want to argue back and forth. Right. This is life you don't live. Do your thing, right. What they eating don't make you shit. The same vice versa. So they say what they say about you. You know what's wrong and what's right. You know what you're doing. Do you. And a lot of people don't got that. They get offended. Well, if you're going to get offended, don't post about what you're doing. Like, mm-hmm. don't let, don't be posting titties and ass and when people call you a slut and you're thirsty or you're a thirst trap and then want to fight with the people. Yeah. It, that ain't where it's at. Like, you see the people that's got a million followers all off body shots. You go on there and the people that talk shit and the people that comment, but you don't see them comment back not one time. Because they know what they're doing. They put out their little taste. Make your dude out their thirsty mm-hmm. tongue out. They liking, they following, they sharing. That's that's all they want. They insta-hoes now. Now they famous. They'll take that name, insta-hole, public figure, celebrity, they're famous, they're nobody, they're thirst trapping, whatever it is. But at the same time, they're getting paid for posting pictures and taking pictures with the titties hmm. and ass out. And they're getting paid for you reacting to it. Exactly. Every time you post something on this girl's and it goes and somebody Google her name and your comment pop up, but like pops up on her page and people start following. She's getting traffic. Now she got a blue check mark. Now she's getting reached out to some model agency or Ford magazine, whatever it is, to do one photo and that, that started her whole life. Because your hate or your love or your comment or your negative or your positivity, whatever it is, let people do what they're going to do. You're going to be, in the eyes of anybody, if you could be, you'd be the greatest person in the world, but somebody's going to look at you because you're an asshole. Somebody's going to say you're a dick. Somebody's going to say you're great. Some person's going to say you're the greatest person in the world. Some people going to say you can be better, do better. You're never going to make anybody happy. So at the end of the day, you just got to live your life. You know, as long as you're happy, who cares what they say? People mm-hmm. going to talk regardless. Like we said earlier, in the fight, no matter what we do, people are going to have something to say. That's in life regardless. You can save 25 people from a burning bus, but if there's 30 people on there, somebody's going to say something because you didn't get those last five, or you didn't follow up safety or this, or you could have moved faster, or you you were dumb for sacrificing your life, risking your life. You'll never make everybody happy, mm-hmm. no matter what. That's <clears throat> life. Yeah, that's why I like that one chick... I follow on Instagram, Bundle of Brittany. What's her name? Brittany something. She talks about it all the time because she, you know, was always in the tabloids as being like the side chick to all these, you know, famous superstars and this, that. And like she used to be like Colin. She used to pay her own ticket out to go see Colin Kaepernick. And like he used to, I guess, pay her or hang out and like bang her, you know, and like it was in tabloids. And now she's writing a book about, you know, what she was actually doing and why is the female like she's like a super woman activist and stuff like that and she's super hot um but like the way she talks it's so true you know what i'm saying like yeah she lived that life and maybe still living that life but like why is it always got to be the female in the wrong you know what i'm saying and like why is it always the male is like the piece of shit like why can't it be both ways you know what i'm saying or why can't it be just mutual like yeah straight up i say it all the time take two to tango like you know i've had personal issues with with females that are like oh you used me you played me in the past you know and and i'm like 
hold on, uh, my dear. And I don't argue. I don't yell. I don't get defensive. I put it in perspective. You hit me up. We had a conversation. You came over. We had more conversation. Maybe we had wine. Maybe we didn't. Depends. We hung out. We watched the movie. We started hooking up. And things led to whatever they led to. There was no bullshitting. There was no sugarcoating anything. There was no selling you anything. There was no none of that. We had a mutual conversation. We didn't promise nothing. You thought it was a great decision. I thought it was a great decision. We made a decision collectively between each other because we were both attracted to each other. We are both fucking horny and what it is what it is. We went and did some late night aerobics, you know? But just because it doesn't go anywhere, I'm the piece of shit. And I'm not this new word I hear out here, fuck boy, you know? I just learned that word. It's crazy. The, 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 this slang. That's because you're not, a, you're not necessarily a fuck boy. I know the fuck boys. You're not a fuck boy. Yeah. A fuck boy is somebody that promises or says... Like, so, like, oh, I love you, this, 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 oh, me, you, this, my girl, this, but then mess around, and now mess with somebody else, then yeah. you're a fuckboy. You're not a fuckboy. I just, I just learned all this. So, like, you know, like, then we all of a sudden get this status, and then, like, it's crazy, like, for me, I can't speak on anybody else, but for me, like, when I meet girls, it's, like, most of the time I know they're friends, you know what I'm saying, or somebody that they know, or, and then they go asking, if I actually have a true, you know, connection with this girl it's always hard because i feel like i always have to defend myself in whatever status so like the couple of times that i had to do that and now i haven't been in a relationship in probably you know i'm going on two years now um that i always had to like defend myself so like when i got to that point i was like listen this is exactly what happened this is exactly what you're going to hear about me and you're going to take it for what you want to take it my phone number is going to say the same if you want to continue with this, you can call me. If you don't, then don't. But we're completely cool. I don't hate you. I don't, you know, dislike you anyway. If I see you, I'm going to say hi. Like any ex or any girl I ever mess with, I, I'm cool with. You know what I mean? I hate having that neck because I've always been real and 100 with them. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not that guy for a relationship at the moment. It's what it is. You make the decision. I'm going to go with it. You know what I mean? But like, it's just the way that's going to happen in, in a certain situation that we're building, you know, having a fireplace on watching a fucking the notebook or whatever your feelings get all caught up. And now you're like all hot and heavy, you know what I'm saying? And it's late night, you know, but I've been in a situation where I said no plenty of times. And I said, no, yo, I, I like you and I don't want you to be one of them girls. And believe it or not, that I've done that more than a handful of times, two separate times, the girl never talked to me again because all they wanted was that Frankie Perez moment doing late night aerobics, and that was it. But because I didn't give it to them and shut them down, they got so, like, uh, I guess, butthurt and offended that they didn't want nothing to do with me. I'm bad at 500 in the same situation. I've had two times where I've told, said no. Well, I knew they would say, that's what they want. I kind of just try to play it cool. I like them. One of them, it made her even more crazy. Like, she really wanted the other one. I haven't talked to her since. I've seen her out once. One of them was here in Jersey. One was back home. And, like, I've seen her out. And she tried to act like she didn't recognize me. And, like I said, it was like, it's whatever. Like, you came over for one thing. I, that wasn't what I was on. I was literally just trying to hang out and chill. I 
thought it was a watch movie and kick it. Yeah. I'm sorry I didn't hit on you and make that move you wanted, but that wasn't what I was looking for. Right. Like I said, you know, some people respect, some females respect it because they, they're looking for a genuine, gentleman-type guy. Mm-hmm. And some girls, they heard what you about, and they, they wanted to find out. Yeah. <laughs> we find out if or they heard what you're about. about, and they don't want to get hurt, or they don't want to be a part of it. Like I fall on that, too. Like I find a nice girl, but they heard about me in town, like what I used to be like. And I'm already fucking climbing a ladder that has no end. You know what I'm saying? So it's like a, a, an upward battle that you just can't fucking find the top, you know? But I feel like I'll, I I already made my status and uh, I put my cards out there and I have to live with that. But I don't regret or I'll never hold that against me. I'll never change, you know, my past for what it is. You know what I'm saying? I am who I am. I did what I did. I grew up a lot. And I don't hold my title over my head or hold it as a weight at all for anybody in my life. You know what I mean? Male, female, friends, not friends. You know what I mean? Or try to get ahead of life anywhere with my... Anytime I call for something, it's... I don't want a fucking discount. I don't want nothing. You know what I mean? Like... Give it to me. You know what I mean? And, you know, when it came to that, it's just like, it is what it is. You know, one day I will maybe find something, but I want it to be something that's natural and real and came out of left field when I'm the least expecting it. You know what I'm saying? So who knows whether it will or or what people, like some people out there won't even let that happen sometimes because they, that person that is unexpectedly for them don't fit their needs or status at that specific moment in their life. So you know what I mean? So they're blinded by bullshit, but don't realize what's really under the covers. And when it comes, it, it comes. You know? You feel it coming. You feel when you start to have feelings. Like you said, some people that kind of push that person away because they, they feel they're getting close to it. Yeah. Them. And there's some people that kind of, they start creeping to it and before you know it, it's kind of like you just locked into it. And you know, I'm, I, I guess I was, I ain't gonna say the other one I pushed away. I don't think she was quite exactly what I would think I needed at the time, but she, I could tell she was trying to get closer. And she was a cool girl, I just wasn't there. And I didn't want to be there. And Jenny, I tried the same thing, but it was just kind of like it was inevitable. Like, it wasn't like I hit her up all the time, you ask her. It seemed like I was contacting her, or she was contacting me all the time. It was just, started off with a podcast. I did a little podcast thing, and we, Got coffee a couple more times, and then it just went to like I was here, and she was back in Milwaukee. Was texting after one of her fights. She texted me after one of my fights, and she came out for Dustin Ortiz fight. Stayed with us. That's when you met her, and before you know it, it was even you. I think it was your fault. To be honest, I'm blaming you, brother. The reason I got married because you told me, huh, that girl that was here last weekend, she was pretty cool. Like I, I can see you with her, and I ran away. Like you know what? If Frankie says she cool. She was real, bro. She came in my house. She sat down. She, you know, she dressed very pretty. I thought she was fucking hot. She had like her own like little swag with her red hair and she carried herself well, soft spoken. You know what I'm saying? Like you could tell she was a no bullshit kind of girl. And with that night it was crazy because, you know, she just got off the plane. You guys went out and we talked a bunch right here. I think we, she did her interview, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we did that thing and then we went out and that was like the first time in my life, ladies and gentlemen, that I actually saw like 
racism. Front, center, fucking right in front of my face. We went to this club when Jenny got here. And it was a little upscale restaurant bar in, in Red Bank, New Jersey. And Corey and I are literally wearing the same thing. It was fucking cold as shit out. It's winter. I'm wearing a, a North Face black jacket with jeans and Jordans. He's wearing his outfit with jeans and Jordans. But he's got a Carhartt jacket on. And Jenny. And I literally walk in this club, no problem. They card me, and then they go to Corey. Straight up, for no reason, can't come in because he has sneakers on. Even though I had the same outfit on. Same exact shoes, different colors. He, they wouldn't let him in. And I was shocked. Even though I knew people that worked there, and they were like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about, but it was so busy they couldn't come outside. So we just left. I got super heated, and we left. But I couldn't fucking live it down. And... I went back because I had a bunch of people waiting for me there. We were going to come back to this other bar. And I literally walked right into... As I'm walking up, there was three people that walked out in running shoes. Mind you, forget about nice sneakers. They were running shoes. And when I, I walked right into the bar, he checked my ID, he walked right into the bar and never said nothing. So I grabbed the people I was with. And by the time I can come back, Corey already left because they were fucking beat from traveling whatever. I think he just wanted a little shh, you know? Yeah. A little eh, that, 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 overtime, you know. <laughs> so, I think that's really what it was. And they were just looking for a window. So, but when I left, dude, I gave that bouncer such hell because I one, I had some liquor in me, so I was already feeling nice. But two, because it literally ruined my whole night. I couldn't believe that. I say a lot of funny jokes, I crack on people's, you know, nationalities, who they are, whatever. But if I don't make fun of you, it means I don't like you. You know what I mean? Or if I crack a joke on you, it's because you're a prick or something. And you need to be, like, showing up a little bit and fucking really putting your place. But I am the least bit racist human being. I'm not racist. I don't judge at all. I will make fun of you, but I'm not going to judge you, you know? And what I saw that dude do, literally, it was the most disgusting thing ever. And it was the smallest minor thing, but it was the most disgusting thing ever. Being the fact that my boy was 6'3 black with his hooded Carhartt jacket on. And he wouldn't let him in because of that status. Because of his ethnicity. Was this dumbest thing. So I let that dude fucking have it. And he was completely like so defensive. Nah, I'm not like that. That it didn't happen. This, that, and the third. And it was like getting to a point that the only, nothing was going to, come from there but i'm glad that i said something you know what i'm saying and it was just the craziest thing but that is literally the first night i met jenny and it sucked that it had to be a night like that you know what i'm saying it's just the craziest thing but that goes to show like all the shit that we've been through all the good and the bad and the great stuff that we've been through you know we've been through a lot you know and that's what builds a relationship you know what i mean like now like you know we kind of have our own lives like now you're fucking you know you have your your wife you have your kid you have your house you have your hunting you have your hot you know what i mean like when we first met you were fucking you were living like a fucking crackhead in your apartment this dude's living in the attic yeah he's living in an attic and he's got a, he made his own personal kitchen this dude had a college dorm in an attic i'm like i walk in his in his little apartment for the first time I'm like yo no friend of mine can fucking live like this this is disgusting i didn't even want to sit down 
That's how disgusting it was. And we straight up, what did we do? We went to Walmart. We got some Tupperware. We threw all his shit out. We're like, how many fucking bags of garbage did we fucking throw out? Yo, it was disgusting. But I'm saying, look how far we came. You know what I mean? All those drunk nights, all that shit we did, whatever. Like, going out late night, eating late night, barely making it home. Yeah, Caesar salad pizzas, <laughs> gummy bears, bottles, girls, nightclubs, you know, and with fighting, traveling, you know what I mean? Like your first fucking loss, you know what I mean? Like you your meet my first loss. Yeah. Yeah, my first loss, all of our long drives to fucking practice and all that shit. And, you know, four and a half years, so much has happened, but. Now we're like both have our, you know, little lives, you know what I mean? But like real friends, even though we go, even though we never really go a week without seeing each other. But even if we went fucking six months, it's like you pick up and you're just right back to it. You know what I mean? So it's just crazy how life works, bro, because who knows if I wasn't the way I was, you would have probably just came, fought and left. You know what I mean? So I think the only reason I came back is Frank Perez. I came back. Like a week after my fight, I didn't have a fight lined up. I just wanted to come back and kick it with my boy again. It was yeah. like, that just it put me in a whole new outlook outlook of life. I remember always saying, like, I always wore black and white. That's the only color I wore a white shirt or a black shirt with jeans. He's like, bro, you got to get some color. Like, you just so dull. Like, it's always black to this. Put, get, some, get these red shorts. Like, these <laughs> red shorts look good. Get something different. You know, I bought like my first colorful shirt and whatever. Like, when you wear a coat, it make it make give you more energy and the girls will smile and you just talk. Just just bullshit. Say whatever you want to say. Like that's all it takes. You know, being a country boy, I was quiet. Like I just I go to the bar and sit there like, bro, you having a good time? Like, I'm having a blast. I just I ain't gotta talk and laugh and smile. I didn't say much. So to him, he probably thought I was just miserable. Cause he's laughing and DJing and dancing. You know, I was just chilling. But after that, I wanted to come back just to kick it with Frankie, you know? And after coming back, I was still in the attic. And I did another fight, and I came back again. Like, you know what? If I'm going to keep coming back, I'm just going to pretty much move here, man. I, I'm going to get a spot and just make this, like, home base for training. I have home, but I just come here mostly. And now it's like, we just, like you said, we ain't boys, and we like brothers. Like, I yeah. call his mom and dad, moms and pops, and like, I can just come in the house whenever. They can come to my house, vice versa. Come to my wedding. You know, his family come to my way to hang out with his brother, his family. It's because it's just the relationship was built. You know, he could have, he could have, you know, I wasn't the typical guy like hanging out with. I wasn't the party super loud or DJ type guy. He could have said, oh, coach, you know, I don't want to keep kicking with him or keep blowing me off. But the fact he just kept coming to pick me up and he do a DJ gig and I just hang out with him behind the DJ booth or whatever. And our relationship was built. And now it's like you said, I brought him on to coach me for a while and he retired and Training partners and drill partners and life. If anything, he got a problem with life. We get in the car, we talk. You know, he call me, text me, whatever it is. And now it's, like I said, I got my wife and him and my wife get along great. That's my girl. Yeah. I think, Judy. I think she, he like my wife more than like me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, everybody know Frankie, that's, that's my right hand man. My mom loves Frankie. Frankie loves my mom. I mean, my mom call all the time, ask how you doing, just to see how they feel, and blah, blah, blah. We're here, baby. True friends, bro. Real friendship, you know? And we're going to, it's funny, because you know damn well Frankie and 
and Eddie hear this shit, they're gonna be like, "Oh, you guys are so cute on that podcast, you know? Like, so cute, you talking some shit." Well, you want to come on? Yeah. Frank, Frankie, and Eddie, Frankie and Eddie actually <laughs> hit me up, and Eddie was like, "Yo, let me be your first guest." And then when I hit him up, he was, I saw, well, before I even hit him up, I saw he was in Disneyland. I'm like, "Well, that's stupid. I'm not waiting for you, dog." You know what I'm saying? But I was like, "Who the fuck?" And Frankie said he's down too. It's funny. He hit me up. He didn't even ask me about my knee. He's like, yo, how's that podcast going now? You know? <laughs> so I'm like, all right, dog. So, yeah, I'm probably going to have Frankie and Eddie up on here soon. You know, that'd be cool. Especially Eddie, all the stuff. But I was like, yo, first guess, who would be best? You know what I'm saying? That can relate to my lifestyle with the same lifestyle, but have his own twist and perspective on it, too, is, you know, my boy. You know what I mean? So it's probably second to third after Frankie and Eddie, but I'm here, though. Nah, nah. I'm here, though. Nah. <laughs> it just made sense. Plus, they're both on vacation, so. <laughs> nah. But, yeah, man, so um, that's today. Thanks, Corey, for coming on. Bro, you're the man. Good conversation. Good time. And really spent this much time in. I don't think we have spent this much time together since Junior has been in town. I know. We moved out here, so. I know. Well, you know what it is, bro? For me, it's like, one, I'm busy as fuck every weekend. But two, it's like, you know, you're with your girl. And I like, you know, you know how I am with my boys and their relationships. I never step on toes or get involved. But on top of me being busy as fuck. You know what I'm saying? But real, real talk, real life, I'm always your boy. You know what I mean? So regardless whatever time goes by, whatever happens. You know what I mean? So that's true friendship talk. You know what I mean? You my brother. From, yeah, you ugly as fuck, but you my brother. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Danny Glover, bro. I did it once, bro. I did it once. Oh yeah, black, yo, I like that shit. I've always had bad skin, so like I try to do a little... Yeah, I've always had pimp, bro. Here, always. If you've never seen this picture of Frankie, check it out. If yeah, I always had pimples growing up. I had pimples, fucked up teeth, and now I do a little skin care. Back up off me, bro. Curly white, super straight, always smiling. Everything cool, but no, that's not. <laughs> I know. That boy got a but that's how I win. That's how I win. I look like a white boy. My nose makes me look Jewish, but when I start dancing, the Cuban comes out. So I fucking win all three. Try me. Now what? Silence. You see? I win. <laughs> I win. What's the game called? I win. <laughs> so, yeah, people, thanks for tuning in, man. This was a, a long podcast, almost two hours. So, that's dope. Um, but, yeah, today, I mean, in conclusion, all, everything, this is one of the podcasts that I was dying to do to, you know, uh, talk about how all four of my subjects that I talk about, you know, some weeks we'll talk about one subject more than the others. Um, and vice versa, but somehow this week, all four intertwined to one another where I, I've been telling you guys, you know, that fear of females fighting and famous people will all intertwine some way or how, you know what I'm saying, some way or another. So today was a perfect, perfect example of that exact um, situation. So I was so glad to be able to get that out in an early podcast and I have to wait till like podcast like 15 or 20 to really like explain why specifically I did these four subjects. So um, I just want to say thank you for everybody for listening. Uh, it, it's it, I, I learn more and more and get better at talking each time I do a podcast, you know, and I, re I listen to my podcast probably two or three times each of them just to like 
see where I'm taking my breaks and words that I keep repeating and stuff like that. And uh, I feel like this time I didn't pause too much and I didn't repeat um and um and um because I hate the word um. My public speaking coach always told me if you ever use the word um, it signifies and lets people know that you're thinking and you're not prepared. So, um, and which, I, like I just said, um, <laughs> which this is all freestyled. I don't, you know, I have a little eraser board with some cue point notes, but I kind of just go off the cusp and talk because. I like talking and I, I feel like I have good enough mindset on different subjects to better, you know, establish myself in a conversation, you know, and talk about the subject. So, um, thank you everybody for listening. Appreciate it. Remember, uh, now we are on iTunes, baby. So subscribe it on iTunes, listen up. We're on everything. So, I mean, the biggest ones are, Spotify and iTunes right now. So if you're not subscribed, subscribe, please. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And uh, for new updates and everything, I'm going to put a new page on my website at teamfrankieperez.com uh, and have, you know, updates on who's coming up on the show, a schedule, and uh, more things of that nature. So thank you guys so much for listening. I'll see you guys next week. And remember, Stay smiling, stay happy, stay positive, enjoy your life. Peace.